hockey fans, are you ready to brave the wild? With me, your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Brave the Wild is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, PodMN, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Audible, and Double Twist. Thank you once and always for downloading yet again today. And we are back for per tradition now about five, six years in a row. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving to everybody in the Brave the Wild community. Happy Thanksgiving once again. It's a tradition. Brave the Wild every year on Thanksgiving Day. And then hopefully, God willing, I'll be able to go back to Thursdays now for the remainder of the regular season and all that. You never know if schedules change. I'll try to get in touch with people on Twitter, let you guys know and such if uh, I won't be able to keep up with the schedule. But usually I'm able to, a very strict schedule, but keeping up with it, generally speaking. This will not be a game-by-game-by-game-by-game type of podcast because it would go on for three hours and i just babble on and on and on about minuscule stuff. We'll talk about major topics throughout the team and kind of look at some scores and some numbers here and there. But generally, we'll stick to the topics. The first major one is Rem Pitlick's emergence. A lot of people were saying how, you know, Rem Pitlick, obviously, they're like, why would you why would you pick him up when there's all kinds of other players we could have? You know, I mean, obviously, guys like, 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 like an Adam Beckman could make the team. And, of course, uh, <clears throat> Matthew Boldy broke his ankle anyway, but really nice uh, emergence after returning. Matthew Boldy might have made the team, possibly, or Adam Beckman from the same draft about, gosh, uh, 63 picks later. Adam Beckman, who looks fantastic. Both of them doing well in Iowa so far. Though Beckman would play a little bit in the NHL this year. But no, very happy with how uh, Rem Pitlick has emerged. <laughs> he scored his first, second, and third goals of his career in the same game against the Seattle Kraken. That was a lot of fun. Remember how I got frustrated, and I mean really frustrated, when the Wild lost to Seattle last time around. But the Wild, generally speaking, have had a very nice run since the last episode. We beat the... No, we lost to the Vegas Golden Knights after crushing the Arizona Coyotes. Beat Seattle. That was Rem Pitlick's hat trick. A 4-1 to loss. The San Jose Sharks, which drew the ire of a lot of Wild faithful and, of course, Russo, particularly Kirill Kaprizov, who had a very, very lackadaisical game. And there is a lot of Kaprizov debate in this episode, unfortunately, on Twitter that really, really uh, caught fire when Derek Felska put out the bat signal. Let's just say an uh, unnamed person just went berserk and I, when Derek simply asked a question, and I don't understand it, frankly. Let's just say I'm on Derek's side on that one. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's a little silly. Uh, some of the way some people flip out, and it's not about whose side I'm on. It's about what's with the animosity over like a question a question so that kind of drove me a little bit crazy wild beat dallas seven to two on the 18th of november a five to four loss to florida where the wild made a nice valiant comeback same thing with tampa nice valiant comeback somehow the wild after going down four to one ended up tying the thing up that was awesome but ended up losing in the shootout of all things wild then beat new jersey in the shootout Last night, Cam Talbot was unbelievable. Some people call it drinks giving or drunks giving, whatever. Where it's a popular drinking day, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, I had two. That's it. That's that's as far as I need to go, to be quite honest. Not because I'm better than everybody else, but because that's my choice. <laughs> my body, my choice, right? <laughs> there I go, a little silly. It's been a bit of a checkered couple of weeks since the last episode. 
which was Thursday the 11th, and then, yep, I had a feeling it would wind up being Thanksgiving, the next episode, November the 25th. Uh, there was a small shot at it last week, but then it's like, no, I've pretty much been doing lawn cleanups ever since, and we're still not done, which sucks. Uh, but I don't want to get like Russo and LaPanta and talk for a half hour about my life versus actually talking about the Minnesota Wild, which would be nice. But no, Rem Pitlick, obviously a huge fan of him with the Gophers. I was not upset when the Wild claimed him. In fact, a couple years back, I was thinking, man, I wish I wish Rem Pitlick was in the Wild system. I wish Rem Pitlick was the guy the Wild uh, had in that third round instead of Nashville. And now I do have him. Uh, he can skate, and he can shoot the puck, and he's got some nice little moves as well. Uh, seven points so far in ten games. Obviously, the hat trick is going to bolster that out, but he's a decent passer. Of course, some of, uh, at least one of his assists was mostly a rebound and a goal, but that's how that goes. Very pleased to have Rem Pitlick in the lineup. I'm not screaming and yelling at any Wild fan that was a little upset. I kind of get it because you want to see Adam Beckman, but Rem Pitlick ain't no piece of garbage. He's a legitimate player, I think. I don't think he's a star, but he could be a middle six player, at least a bottom six. And he's not going to bitch and moan and complain and pout if he's on the bottom six. And he's still going to be productive because he's been on the bottom six most of the way. But he's also the kind of guy you could probably put in all situations, especially the power play. He clearly has stick handling ability, skating ability, and he's got a nice shot. So thank you, Richard Park, for uh, strongly recommending the Minnesota Wild claim Rem Pitlick off of waivers. That did surprise me. Sorry, the coffee maker got bored and said, whatever, I'm out of here. <laughs> but no, I'm very pleased to have Rem Pitlick uh, part of the organization, organization, as they'd say in Canada. Uh, again, nice to see the hat trick. And obviously, if somebody can score a hat trick, it can't be just pure luck. Uh, occasionally, like a two-goal game by, was it Eric Schrenard a few years, uh, well, many years ago, about 20 years ago now. And Jacques Lemaire said, it's one game. He was right about that one, let me tell you. <laughs> he was right about that one. But I do think there's more to Rem Pitlick than meets the eye. So far, uh, currently, the third line is Frederick, Frederick Goudreau. Freddy Goudreau. Uh, Rem Pitlick on the right. Kevin Fiala on the left. Fourth line, Nico Stern, Brandon Durham, and Nicholas Nick Bukestad, the bugler. Second line is Erickson Eck, Greenway, and Felino. Interesting second line, but I suppose this line is the geek line and got along very well over the years. Um, so, good for them. Good for them. I'm feeling weird about calling it the geek line because Felino doesn't isn't a geek. He could uh, crush somebody's face. And top line, Ryan Hartman, Kirill, the thrill, who actually is thrilling again, which is nice, and Matt Zuccarello. It's been an up-and-down year for Kirill Kaprizov. Kind of reminds me of the year after Gabrick came back, uh, you know, when he had that contract dispute. Kind of reminds me of that where it took a little bit, but then things got rolling again. Oh, I hope things don't sour with Kirill like they did with Gabrick, because that sucked. Oh, that sucked. God, that sucked. So we'll see. I am not a Kirill hater, but I'm also not a Kirill, Kirill, uh, Kirill Kaprizov apologist. There I go, jumping ahead to the next, uh, well, couple topics ahead. Let's wait. The Fiala kerfuffle. Apparently, Kevin Fiala obviously has been falling out of favor. He's been pouting a little bit behind the scenes. He's been seeing his ice time completely diminish at times, where he didn't play in a whole third period. It's getting weird, it's getting scary, and a lot of people believe that Kevin Fiala could be on the trading block ASAP, and that's a shame. It would be quite a, quite a shame, especially that beautiful little game-winning uh, shootout goal he had last night. There's a lot more to Kevin Fiala than shootout goals, but it also displays his strength and how, just how damn good he is at it. The stick handling, the skating, and the release on the shot. He has so much ability, and it's a gosh darn bleeping shame if he's not here. It's a gosh darn shame that he's only got three goals on the season. 
12 points in 19 games, again, 9 assists. But some of those passes were freaking awesome. He's one of the best passers on the team. And you know the goal scoring is there. You know he's going to shoot the puck. It's only 25 years of age. Yeah, there's still so much there with Kevin Fiala. And it would be a, oh, it'd be a bleeping shame if he was gone. I'm a huge fan of Kevin Fiala. Uh, well, well, we need a number one center. But are you going to get a number one center for Kevin Fiala, though? Are you? At least maybe a number one center on this team, like a t- uh, number two center. Maybe you could. Uh, maybe. But number one centers are kind of like getting like ace pitchers in baseball. It's not easy. You know, we're like star quarterbacks in the NFL. Good luck to you, brother. Good luck to you in getting that. Um, Kevin Fiala. Yep. I mean, there is a kerfuffle. And Declan Goff of Judd's Hockey Show and Mackie and Judd fame and all that good stuff has been saying, yeah, he believes that uh, something's brewing. Something's brewing with Kevin Fiala, and it's not good behind the scenes. As Kevin Fiala's been bottom six pretty much the whole year, uh, he's done well, but you got to think it's starting to wear on him in a big way. He's still on the bottom six, like I just said. Frederick Rudrow and Rem Pitlick. But yeah, him and Pitlick, there's something there, obviously. And there was some beautiful chemistry between Pitlick and Hartman when the hat-trick took place. Obviously, Hartman getting a, getting some takeaways and then feeding Pitlick, just timing it just right. But Pitlick still had to make the nice move to get there. He obviously had to get open and free the way he did. So obviously, Pitlick deserves credit. But at the same time, don't discount what Ryan Hartman brings to this team. He has been absolutely awesome. Uh, Ryan Hartman has been a revelation. Uh, what looked like Hulikov's goal, I had a feeling it was deflected. And it ultimately was for Ryan Hartman's, are you ready, 10th goal of the season. It's showtime! No, I didn't just uh, slip my tongue there. 10th goal of the season for Ryan Hartman before Thanksgiving. 10 goals for Ryan Hartman. Yeah, 14 points, 19 overall games so far for Ryan Hartman. He's been an MVP for the Wild this far. Obviously, Kirill Kaprizov is the leading scorer, and we'll hear about that about 50 times from a certain somebody on Twitter who hates our guts, me and Derek, apparently, because we all we care about is stats. Yet, uh, wait a minute, you're the one talking about he's the leading scorer on the team, so who's the one talking about stats? So that kind of defeated that argument right there. Silly stuff. We'll get back to that in segment number three. Don't really want to jump ahead too much, but a definite scare for myself and many a wild fan regarding the possibility of Kevin Fiala possibly on his way out. So yes, the ongoing Kaprizov debate between fans, bloggers, and podcasters, so I might as well just keep going where I was going, I guess. Again, you're talking about all me and Derek or other Wild fans care about his stats, but you mention about 50 times, son of a gun, you son of a gun, about how, you idiot, about how many points Kirill Kaprizov has. You know, it's a good thing that he has that many points, despite the fact that he's been struggling, generally speaking. He has been way the bleep better since he was called out by multiple people, and he was put on the third line after that Sharks game, which was just disgusting. The Wild, everybody kind of came out, everybody kind of caught fire after that against the Dallas Stars in that 7-2 obliteration. And that would lead to the next topic coming up very shortly about the little sideswipes taken by uh, Dean Evison, which I've really enjoyed, actually. Really enjoyed. <laughs> Victor Rask's goal was hilarious for basically... <laughs> I kind of figured how Victor Rask wound up with that goal, but uh, it kind of is what it is. It was just... Uh, yeah, it just happened to kind of land right to him, <laughs> and he was able to put it in, thankfully. So that's a classic uh, Victor Rask goal. Where he would literally like, it's like he would trip on himself and as he's sliding forward, the puck would come off his stick and go in. <laughs> that sounds like a Victor Rask goal. Hey, Victor Rask scored. Kirill Kaprizov got the assist. 
right? Yep, uh, Kirill Kaprizov had a, well, assist hat-trick, I guess, in the game and a goal. He had four total points, and then Rem Pitlick, everybody's favorite, got his fourth goal of the season to open things up and had me just dancing, thinking, there you go, there's your Mike Madonna Award winner, and he just might get it. We'll see for this past up, uh, this past couple weeks. Brandon DeHaim has certainly quieted down a bit. Unfortunately, I think just one point, actually, in the last two weeks, but that's okay. Uh, he went from 12 games, 6 points, to 19 games, 7 points. Again, that's fine. It is what it is. He's going to continue to develop and continue to get better. You, you know the points are going to come as the opportunities continue to rise. Somehow, Frederick Goudreau has two goals on the year. That's nice. We're appreciating that, as he was able to get one very recently. Dumb is at 10 total points, Spurgeon, and unfortunately, he has a lower body injury. He was week to week. To me, that sounds like an ankle, but it could be a knee as well. Not exactly sure, but luckily it's not like an out-for-the-season type of thing, and it's not like a meniscus either, where it's like he's definitely going to be out for month, like a month or two or beyond. Might be a sprained MCL or a sprained ankle. That's the two guesses I have when you talk about lower body injury and week-to-week for the 31-year-old Edmonton, Alberta native, Jared Spurgeon, the captain. The guy who's taken over as the third alternate is Joel Jewel Erickson Eck, which I have no complaints of. The only other person I could imagine getting it would be another defenseman by the name of Jonas Brodine. Uh Instead, it will be Mr. Jewel Erickson Eck, who will be joining Marcus Felino as the two alternates <laughs> among the forwards anyway. Obviously, yeah, yeah, Pete's definitely got leadership ability. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think he's an easy choice if somebody's to go down that he'll be the other alternate, just like... Uh, Felino or Dumba were last year. Felino would be all the time in the uh, in the past, but the Kaprizov debate—it's extremely frustrating how people get so sensitive, so offended. I'll save most of that for the fan interaction segment, but then again, should I? I think that's mostly supposed to be fan interaction. Uh, Derek got a bit perturbed, and I don't blame him one bit. I'm not going to read all the stuff he said to me in the private messages, obviously, because I wouldn't be polite if I did that to him. Uh, of course, Derek of Crease and Assist. But, yeah, uh, I'll not name the person. It looks like, yeah, it, just, it continued into last night, too, which is kind of funny. <laughs> but I don't blame Derek for getting a little frustrating. Yeah, I, 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 um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes you just want to have a conversation about the wild and people can't handle it, I guess. It's... You know, it's okay. This person must hate Michael Russo as well because Russo has gone pretty hardcore on Kirill Kaprizov's disappointment with him coming into the season, including during the contract dispute. He was pissed to be uh, at the end of the day. When I said it was just a uh, discussion, the person said, you can say it's only discussion, fine, but it's a trend with your postings and eventually it comes across as real criticism that ignores facts. Find an original honest, honest narrative, please. When have I come off criticizing Kirill Kaprizov, honestly? Maybe a little frustrated on the show, and I've asked him, this person, about 19 times. Okay, maybe like three or four times. Have you actually ever listened to five minutes of this show? Of course, they didn't answer, so that tells that's your answer right there. Um, I, I, I don't understand, though, why I was being called blind to stats, because you're the one who's blind to stats. When you're talking about, you know, you're talking about he's the leading scorer, Derek simply said that Kirill Kaprizov should be at the top of the goal-scoring list and the points list. That's what he's being paid to do. He did it last year with pretty much the same talent around him. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I don't think, I don't think there's really a major problem with that. Derek respond. Uh, Derek also jumped in and said, if you want to compare the Minnesota Wild fandom to me, it won't go well for you. But the difference is, I'm not a homer. Yeah. So he's saying claim to be Wild fans. He was criticizing both of us on the spot when I actually didn't say anything. <clears throat> but we'll come back to it. Knuckleheads knocking on the points leader. See, that's where you. That's where you destroy your argument, my friend. That's where you destroy the argument. Knocking on the points leader. Hello. Okay, dude. Anybody can say that. <laughs> Hello. Okay, Chad Hartman. <laughs> oh, I, man. Um, my take on Kirill Kaprizov this year has he's been moderately disappointing. I won't call him crazy disappointing. Maybe I'm being too milk toast about it. Has he lived up to expectations so far? No. Is he ever capable of doing so in the not-too-distant future? Absolutely. And the Dallas game proved that uh, he can turn things around pretty quickly, which, again, is kind of double annoying because where was that before then? Like, like that, that's the thing. That's the crappy part. It's like maybe you get a little comfortable when you get a little excited now. You feel a little bit set once you got your massive contract after putting us through hell the whole summer and into the fall. So that's my criticism of him thus far, but you got to think that there's uh, that he's going to turn things around, and I do believe he will. It, it's it's. I don't think you're a bad fan. I don't think you're blind to stats if you're a little frustrated with the start of the season from Kirill Kaprizov. The good part is again that the team has generally been successful, even in uh, even despite the. Uh, not so great start by Kirill Kaprizov. Again, he has the points lead, yes. Thankfully, because he's a great passer. And on occasion, some assists, it's just kind of a lucky bounce at times as well. It's obviously like, uh, some of them are that way. Like the Victor Rascal was kind of a lucky bounce. A lucky bounce, that point might not have been there. The Zuccarillo play with Kirill Kaprizov was pretty nice. Um, we really appreciated that one. And I do appreciate what Kirill Kaprizov has brought, including the nice goal scoring. Again, he had the game winner to opened his goal scoring earlier in the season. And then again, the great chemistry with Zuccarillo that just continues to last, despite when you put Kirill Kaprizov on that third line with uh, Goudreau. Next thing you know, Zuccarillo's back with him again. And then Rask, the line that was super successful just a year ago, Rask, Zuccarillo, and Kaprizov, they're back together again, at least for, for now, uh, at least for that game at, on occasion. Rask is like back out of the lineup and then Kirill Kaprizov is with Hartman and Zuccarillo at this moment. So it was interesting to watch. It was entertaining. Rask has been kind of in and out of the lineup. Again, an ongoing frustration for everybody. Uh, back and forth. People getting frustrated with, you know, some of us that are a little more objective and not afraid to criticize a little bit without bashing. We're not rooting against Kirill Kaprizov. We're just hoping that There'll be a little more energy, so to speak. A little more consistency is probably the number one word you got to say. I apologize if I'm a little too far from the mic here. I apologize. Um, but a little more consistency out of Kirill Kaprizov would be nice uh, at the end of the day. Not saying he's a major disappointment. I do believe there is going to be more. I think it'll continue to come. But for anybody to go off and call it, and the name calling and calling, you know, this is stupidity. I have issues with this stupidity. I don't think you're stupid for being disappointed in Kirill Kaprizov's start to the season. I, I really don't think that's... 
I don't think that's really classy, to be quite frank. Like, stay classy, Wild fans. Let's just leave it at that. Next topic. I better keep moving here. Everson taking shots at Parisian Suter after a few games. Yep, and I've, I've enjoyed that very much. As people have caught on to that, it's obviously very subtle, kind of, kind of subtle, where he's saying guys aren't worried about their time on ice and their shifts, and we're not playing in double shifts, and we're not worried about points. We're all just kind of working together. And he kept kind of uh, saying that, especially after the New York Islander game and the Dallas Stars game. Guys taking double shifts and or the, the minutes and such on the ice for a certain defenseman named Ryan Suter. Yeah, that guy. Who again led the Dallas Stars in time on ice. Surprise. About 24... 24 minutes. Pardon my almost French there. More minutes than anybody on Minnesota. And here's the other thing. When you had selfish players like Ryan Suter, excuse me for saying so, selfish players like Ryan Suter in the lineup, you had your third pairings reduced to like about eight minutes. At least one of the two guys. Maybe the other guy got 10-11. Now your third pairing, each played at least 16 minutes. And that's pretty cool. John Merrow and Dmitry Kulikov. Kulikov, pardon me, it's not Kulikov. It's, you have to have an H in there with the K. Uh, Dmitry Kulikov, who's, you know, both been, they've both been a really nice pairing. Merrill, old Larry Bird himself, right? <laughs> Probably a little too young to remember Bird as a as an active player, unfortunately. I would, but obviously kept up with him in, uh, in the future afterward. Really cool. I, I love when players recognize classic legends from the past like that. But it's amazing how even things are, generally speaking. Spurgeon ultimately had the most minutes, 23-19. This is just the Dallas game alone. Jonas Bertin, 21-39. Uh, and then Dumb and Goligoski both got just over 19. And then Kulikov and Merrill just over 16. See, things were more balanced out. Look at the Dallas Stars. Their third pairing, Andre Sekera, only 12, 12 and a half minutes compared to Suter's 24. And let's not forget the 28 minutes that Suter would average for years, particularly in the Mike Yo era, where the infamous line, oh, Suter was gossled there. That's when the Wild would lose in overtime or there'd be some late third-period goal because Suter's a selfish son of a... You get the idea. It's, it's, it's frustrating. Fan after fan after fan was calling him a class act and how they missed him. I'm sure off the ice with fans, he's a great guy. I'm sure he is. I wouldn't doubt that for a second that he is. He looks like a nice guy. But he's a locker room lawyer, and so was Zach Parisi, and that was the massive frustration with so many fans, that well, media members that, that knew that knew what was going on all this time, and all of us were kind of probably like wondering what is the issue, kind of like um, Bill Guerin was saying, like the thirty thousand foot view, whatever, like where we didn't really get to be up close to what was really going on, like what's the issue, why haven't we been successful? There's something rooted here. In the culture, that and we need to change it. It's not working, and we need to change it. And that's what it was, as I've played that a hundred thousand times on the show now. And because it was like dead on, it was absolutely dead on. And that was the situation with Suter Parisi. So there's a reason why Dean Everson has been taking shots because it was just it was poison. It was absolute poison. It was toxic for the team, and it was never going to change until they were gone. You can like them until you're blue in the face. We can have the... <laughs> I don't even know. We, 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 can, we can have video tributes to them. I almost forgot what that word was. I'm just losing my mind here. We can have vid- video tributes for them until we're blue in the face. <sighs> but until you truly know what was going on on the inside, I, I, I don't know. I, I, we're, we're missing the vote as to what was truly happening at the end of the day. I should write an article about that on, on uh, 
Gone Puck Wild. I, I, I really should for uh, fan-sided. I need to start writing again. Of course, I'm not as inside as a lot of people, but still, still, there's a lot of material out there. Uh, was it Tori Mitchell recently? Talked about with the situation where both Parisi and Suter had houses in Edina. Just like the cake eaters they are, right? <laughs> cake eaters, right? They were definitely being cake eaters with this team. Let me tell you. They were the definition of what a cake eater is because they organized that the team would have practice twice a week in Edina. So they didn't have to travel far to, to practice. And Tori Mitchell was talking about that. That's how much power those guys had. And there were team, guys on the team that were just like, what the bleep? Like, what is this crap? This is too much, man. Why do these guys get such convenience? Or maybe other people had to travel even more, which is pretty rude, to be quite frank. Yeah, we got our beautiful little houses in Edina, our little mansions in Edina. Little, yeah, our beautiful mansions in Edina. Yeah, we're going to have uh, we're gonna have at least two practices a week in Edina, in this arena in Edina. It's unbelievable when you hear information like that. Tori Mitchell, former Minnesota Wild player, who was on the team during the early days of the pre-Suzer uh, era. Pretty, pretty crazy, pretty wild. Pun unintended, I guess. Cam Talbot last night against the New Jersey Devils was absolutely great. He deserves all the credit in the world. Uh, he was stopping like 9 billion shots. In fact, about almost 40 against the New Jersey Devils. And then we'll wrap up this segment. Wow. Um, New Jersey's gotten better. It's amazing. They're 7th place with an 8-5-4 record, but they are. Minnesota's 1st place in the Central, which makes me feel like a million bucks. Another one of those middle 6 kind of games where all the middle 6 players really you know, put in the points. Hartman with his 10th goal. Of course, he's top line now, but well, yeah, I guess he is. <laughs> Jeez, I guess he is. Uh, Nico Sturm with his fourth goal of the year. Shorthanded from Freddy Goudreau. What a beautiful timed play. Frederick Goudreau, he faked the shot twice and then just kind of did a little stick handle and then sauced it over as they say. It was a saucer pass over to uh, <laughs> Nico Sturm, who was one-on-one with the goalie because the pass was so well-timed. It drew both defenders over to Frederick Goudreau, and uh, that left Sturm one-on-one with Blackwood, and oh my goodness gracious, what a great play. Wow, uh, and Blackwood was good, almost 93% save percentage. I mean, he only gave up two goals. Kemp Talbot faced 42 shots in the game. It was a bleeping shame when New Jersey tied it up at the last minute, practically. Oh, I felt so bad. I felt so bad. Yeah, it was literally in the last minute. I felt so bad for Cam Talbot. And then it's like, wait a minute. We're not going to lose. Because Talbot's been so bleeping sharp. Why would why would we lose this game? Especially once it got to the shootout. Talbot made three saves. He made the first two. Then it was Fiala's turn. Boom. What a beauty. Absolute beauty shot. Talbot may have had to make one more save. And I'm like, he's going to make this save. You just know he is. And uh, the Ed, uh, Edmonton, the New Jersey shooter, had no chance. Forgetting, forgetting uh, off the top of my head which one it was. I think, oh, it was the guy who scored, actually, twice in the game. What am I talking about? It was, uh, oh, it was the guy who tied it up. Yep, Shangovich. Yep, that's who it was. Sharangovich. Yep, he was the one who tied it up and made us all frustrated. And I was like, oh, boy, of all people, not him. Not him. Please not him. And then it didn't matter. Talbot made him look silly where he just ran out of space and time. And then that was all she wrote. And the Wild ended up winning the game. Nice to see Nico 
his year finally getting rolling a bit as he has, boy, had he been kind of slow out of the gate. Of course, I guess as a rookie, he did have 52 points, which sometimes I forget. He had a pretty good rookie year, and he's just gotten so quiet since then. And he had a bit a bit of a uh, bout of injuries as well. Off to a really solid start this year. Not great, but a solid start to the season, I suppose. He's kind of like the all I guess right now, getting way more assists than goals. But that's how it goes. I'm babbling way too much. Mike Madonna award winner for this episode is going to be... Rem like I'm gonna give it to Rem like why not? He's been a wonderful revelation. Uh, makes us all feel so good. I, I'm so happy to have him. Honest to God, it's not because I'm this Minnesota guy who only wants Minnesota players on the team. I'm I'm not Doug Woog, okay? <laughs> Doug Woog. God bless him. Now God rest his soul. I just thought that was a little bit bad sometimes, even though it can be good, I guess, for the Gophers. Um, but Rem Pitlick, obviously, son of Lance, brother of Tyler, and there's another Pitlick right now on the Gophers. Pretty cool. Uh, very cool to see. Nice to see uh, yeah, Tyler Pitlick having a little bit of success in Calgary, as he had some in uh, Dallas. But Ram, again, hoping that he continues uh, success with Minnesota. He might end up being the best Pitlick in the NHL. We'll see. Because his dad, Lance, was, you know, he's kind of a stay-at-home guy. Didn't have a ton of points. Didn't stand out a whole lot, but he was good enough. You know, that kind of thing. Kind of like a bombardier, you could say. Kind of high IQ guy. Uh, Rem, again, continuous success, hoping for the best there. The James River Memorial, it's Kirill Kaprizov. No, it, sh- it should be the guy who was giving me and Derek and others a lot of hell. Uh, I'm going to actually nominate him for it, but we'll, we'll give it to Greenway again, even though he's been okay, but still only three points on the season. Yes, it feels like I'm just picking on Greenway, and so is everybody else, but it's like, my God, man, only three points. He's, he's just, there's just nothing there. There's nothing there. You might end up not getting a whole lot for him if we make a trade at the end of the day. Dumba has had some gaps off and on this season, but there's no way he's getting uh, any type of a James Shepard memorial. So far, Greenway's been James Shepard, like a higher draft pick who hasn't done a damn thing. That's exactly what James Shepard did with Minnesota. Uh, again, the Madonna Award is still going to go to Pitlick, even though it was like two weeks ago. But he's been good ever since. I haven't really been disappointed with Rem Pitlick since he suited up for Minnesota. Maybe the first two games or so, he looked just so-so. But ever since, Rem Pitlick looks very much an NHL caliber forward, winger, blah 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 With that said, we'll take a quick break. We'll return to preview four games coming up. here on Brave the Wild, segment number two, and again, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. This is a fun tradition I'm going to do every year. I'm just going to keep doing it, just like Turkey of the Year for Patrick Gracie. Brave the Wild, Thanksgiving, Thursday, every November. Got to love it. The last Thursday of every November, Minnesota Wild will host the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow night, Black Friday, where all of you will be blowing all your money. Okay, I'm just kidding. Maybe you'll be buying 19 jerseys or something. Again, Gerald Spurgeon, week-to-week, lower body as of November the 20th, Paul Stansney, who's always hurt, lower body left the game on November the 6th, and Brian Little, who's been out for quite a while, perforated eardrum, yowza. Uh, 
vertigo as of September 21st. That's a little painful. Sorry for the pun there. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's not fun. I, I'm not even trying to make light of the situation. That just, uh, that's not fun at all. Uh, general comparison, general summaries. Minnesota's fifth in the league, fifth in the NHL on goals. Winnipeg is 16th. Goals against Hellerbuck's been pretty good. Eighth against Minnesota 23rd, unfortunately, because we've been inconsistent. Assists, Minnesota 6th. Winnipeg 16th. Power play, Minnesota's 23rd, so we're still struggling there. Winnipeg is 17th. Winnipeg is the worst penalty kill in the NHL, so let's capitalize. Our power play is only 23rd, so something's got to give. Hopefully the Wilds can take advantage of that situation. That could really help. Minnesota's penalty kill is way better than it was. This is basically where Minnesota's was earlier in the year, the mid-upper 60s. Now we're at 80.6 and 19th in the league. Minnesota still pretty undisciplined, 27th with tons of penalty minutes, where Winnipeg's a much more disciplined at 10th. Shooting percentage 21st for Winnipeg, and Minnesota's 8th. Apologize to get too statistical. Minnesota won 6-5 in OT. That was that very dramatic game. I believe that was the uh, home opener earlier in the season. God, that was fun. Oh, that was fun. Beat Winnipeg 6-5. to November 26th is the next, yeah, that's the game coming up. It's a four-game series for this season. December 27th and January 10th. Both of those games will be in Winnipeg. So that's the end of Minnesota's home ice advantage. Winnipeg has lost four games in a row. 2-1 to one to Edmonton, 3-2 to Vancouver, 3-1 to Pittsburgh, and 3-0 versus Columbus. They just stopped scoring. I mean, just look at that. Three goals in four games. Four goals in four games, sorry. Minnesota uh, has been, yeah, we're two and three in our last five. So, yeah, we've struggled a little bit. The Florida and Tampa losses. The uh, Florida two-step hasn't been overly friendly for Minnesota. Hellebuck averaging about two and a half goals against a game. Save percentage 92 and no shutouts on the season. He's been very strong, to say the least. Kyle Connors leading the club in scoring with 12 goals and 22 total points. Great season for him and Andrew Cobb right behind him. Paul Stasny has been oft injured once again. Kind of like the story of his life. Blake Wheeler really hitting the wall now. 14 games and only 5 assists. He's obviously uh, struggling as well. Minnesota should be able to win this game. And of course we've struggled a bit. Hopefully Minnesota can give Winnipeg their 5th straight loss. They've dropped down to 9-6-4 and four on the season. So you consider Winnipeg is off to an awesome start. After losing 4 games in a row, you'd think 9-2-4 and four leading in. But I suppose 1 or 2 of those must have been uh, shootout losses or overtime losses for Winnipeg four of them already on the season. Minnesota only won, most recently to Tampa. Otherwise, we've either gotten two points or no points thus far this season with a lot of uh, overtime and shootout victories for the Minnesota Wild. Minnesota wins the game 3-2-1. Minnesota wins 3-1. to one. Most likely guy to score, let's go with Kevin Fiala. Come on, Kevin, start scoring, okay? <laughs> start scoring some goals. That'd be... Uh, that'd be... <laughs> Yeah, that would be great. Okay, sorry. December, we're not quite there yet. Now we play the Arizona, no, Tampa Bay Lightning again. Uh-oh, so we wrap up that season series. We did get a point out of it. Brandon Braden Point apparently has an upper body injury as of November the 21st. We'll see if he's back by then. Kucherov's been out all season so far with a lower body injury. Uh, well, most of the season. Uh, as of October the 16th, most of the season. Eric Sternick. As of November 9th, unfortunately. Tampa's 13th in goals, 12th and against, 15th in assists, right in the middle. Again, the shootout loss, officially 5-4. to four. 
a week ago. Shooting percentage, both teams are pretty equal. Penalty minutes were both bad. We're both of over 200 penalty minutes. Their penalty kills sixth in the league. I remember seeing that. Yeah, very, very strong. And the power plays 13th is Tampa's. It's a fun matchup. It's a tough one. This will be an XL Energy Center, which hopefully will help a little bit. Two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. I don't think they three-peat because nobody does, unless you're the uh, Edmonton Oilers. I mean, even, excuse me, the New York Islanders or Montreal Canadiens. Very few teams get to three-peats. Montreal did it in the 70s, and the Islanders, of course, did it in the beginning of the 80s. Kucherov was, was off to a good start in the three games he played, but he's been out ever since. We'll see if he ever comes back. Corey Perry's still hanging around. Now he's on Tampa. He's cup-chasing. I believe he did get a Stanley Cup way, way back in the day with Anaheim. I believe he did. Steven Stamkos leading the club in scoring. As you remember, he was the guy who was always injured for the while, and Kucherov was the star for a couple of years here. And then Braden Point as well has been very deadly. Uh, he's, he's a clutch player. 13 points on the season in 16 games. Seven of them are goals. Will it be another loss to Tampa? Minnesota has matched up very well against this team. I think the Wild win this one, too. I think the Wild win this one against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, it's going to be a little bit higher scoring, maybe. Vasilevsky's kind of, I believe Vasilevsky is questionable coming into this one. We'll see, but I suppose we got a few days, so maybe not. Minnesota's going to somehow win this thing 4-2. to two. The most likely guy to score in this one will be Kirill Kaprizov. Kirill Kaprizov will score two goals in the game, in my opinion. 4-2, Minnesota beats Tampa Bay. Maybe an empty netter. Maybe one of them will be an empty netter down the stretch by Brodeen or something. Or Dumba. <laughs> Those are probably your two best guys for that. But a 4-2 win, I think, empty net victory. It won't be like we actually scored four, you know, full-strength goals or, over, uh, you know, skating, you know, with a goalie or whatever type of goals. You get the idea. <laughs> it doesn't have to be full strength. Maybe you get a uh, shorty or a power play. So we'll see what happens there. But Minnesota wins 4-2 to two over Tampa. Let's keep moving. Arizona, there's no excuse. I think the Wild get three wins in a row, even though this could be a trap game of trap games. Shikrin has uh, finally been scoring points now. It took forever. Obviously, <clears throat> very close friend of Brandon Duhame was a nice story when you listen to Straight from the Source. I forgot to mention how Tampa Bay's trend as they've obviously been very strong lately, how, how they've trended with their wins and losses. They are, yep, 4-1 and one in their last... Wow, they've been scoring goals. 4-1 and one in their last five. 4-1 to one win versus the Islanders. 4-3 versus Philly in Philly. 5-3 to three loss versus New Jersey at home. Interesting. 5-4 to four win over Minnesota. Boo. And then 4 <laughs> nothing over Philly. Wow, impressive. So I apologize there for backtracking. Let's get to Arizona, who's 4-14-2 on the season. They have just been snake-bit. Clayton Keller leads the team with five goals. Shea Gotzenberg with 12 assists. Scott Wedgwood has three wins in the net. Jay Beagle, Jay Beagle has been out since the 21st of November. Anton Strahlman, defenseman. Uh, been out since November 16th. And Johan Larson, former Minnesota Wild prospect who was traded for Jason Pominville years ago to Buffalo. Now he's on Arizona, that figures. Oh, Johan, you have been around a lot of losing, haven't you? And I think he was on a pretty awful uh, Iowa Wild team, or was it the Houston Houston Arrows still at the time? I don't think they were... Oh, no, they had to have been good. Houston was good at the end there when Mike Yo was the coach. Yep, uh, the Arizona's worst in the league in goals scored. They're worst in goals against. They're worse in everything. 
yet they've won three of their last two. Ooh, they've won three of their last uh, three of their last five. Pardon me. They beat St. Louis three to two on November sixteenth. Lost to Columbus five four. Beat Detroit two one. Beat L.A. two to one. L.A. Kings, of course. And they lost to Edmonton five to three. Not a big surprise. <clears throat> but they're in like thirtieth place in everything. Thirtieth or thirty first. They're worst in assists. Worst in goals. Worst in goals against. Worst in penalty minutes. Oh my God. They're worse than everything, or one of the worst. <laughs> Shooting percentage, 30th. Penalty kill, 30th. Power play, 28th. <laughs> oh, man. Oof. And the wild lose, right? I hope not. <clears throat> Shikrin's been in and out of my lineup, but he's back now. I, I, I hired him. Now he's at six points on the season. He's quietly been picking it up. With six freaking points on the year, Shikrin is seventh on the team in scoring. Can you believe that? That's how bad it's been for Arizona. <clears throat> Phil Kessel, 10 points. He's at a half point a game. Gotson Bear with 15 total points, 12 assists, but only three goals. But it is what it is. Johan Larson has five points on the year, but he's hurt now. And Alex Gulchenyuk. Gulchenyuk. Yuck. Poor guy. Two, two assists in seven games so far. Mm, Nick Schmaltz. I used to like him with the... Uh, man, look at these names. Oh, man. It, it, it's like a garbage dump. Nick Schmaltz. I used to like him on Chicago. I called him Schmaltz's alt. Louis Erickson. Remember him? He's been all over the league now after being a really good player many, 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 many years ago. One assist in 18 games. <clears throat> it's a garbage heap. It's like old washed-up players. And then you have a couple of legitimate like players like Shikrin who's getting going again, thankfully. Again, big friend of Brennan DeHaim growing up in Florida. Florida. And uh, Clayton Keller, who's okay. You know, he was supposed to be good. He's just been kind of up and down. What a weird team. I've been babbling way too long. Don't lose this game, but it does reek of it could be a trap. I think the Wild are going to go 3-1 and one this week. But I don't think this is going to be the loss. At least I hope not. Carter Hutton has seen some action. Scott Wedgwood has been their best goalie by far, I would say. Uh, as Carl Vizmelka... Uh, has given up over three goals a game. Scott Wedgwood is one of the reasons why Arizona's starting to pick it up. So go Scott Wedgwood. He could make things interesting, and this might be one of those funky trap, game, trap games where the Wild have lost in the past to Arizona at home. It, it could happen. This one is in the XL Energy Center. Minnesota wins. Minnesota wins. 3-1. to one. Only 3-1. to one. Most likely guy to score in this one is going to be Matt Dumba versus the Dallas Stars. Or excuse me, Dallas Stars. Arizona Coyotes. We wrap things up with the New Jersey Devils, a team we just played, of course, at XL Energy Center. New Jersey's been a good road team, and I think this is the trap game of the group. Somehow I think Minnesota's going to beat Tampa and Winnipeg, yet we're going to lose to the Devils or Arizona. And I think we are. I think uh, we lose to the New Jersey Devils. Ultimately, 3-2 to loss, or 3-1, to 3-2 to loss versus the New Jersey Devils. Again, we just played them. They're kind of middle to bottom, like a little bit below the average in a lot of categories except goals against. Obviously very strong. I know Martin Brodeur is not the goalie of course. I think you figured that out a little while ago. But uh, they were always one of the best teams with goals against. They've always kind of had a conservative uh, defensive style going all the way back to the Jacques Lemaire days. New Jersey in their last five games. They had a game against Ottawa postponed because of a ton of COVID in Ottawa apparently even though their whole team's vaccinated. <laughs> Funny. New York Rangers, 4-3, to three, loss, postponed to Ottawa, lost 4-1 to, to Florida, beat Tampa 5-3, three, 
and lost to Minnesota. They have not been playing particularly well, but I have a sneaky feeling they're going to beat us on December the 2nd to open up the month of December, but that doesn't mean the Wild are going to have a bad month. Unfortunately, they'll open it up poorly, though. 3-2 to two loss to the Devils, maybe 4-2 with an empty netter, but I think it's a trap one. The Devils win, the Devils win, most likely got to score in this game. It's going to be Jewel Eriksson-Eck. Jewel Eriksson-Eck will score a goal. Actually, let's go with Nico Sturm. I think he scores again versus New Jersey. And the Minnesota Wild go 3-1 this upcoming week. With that, we'll get into prospect now. And, as per usual, we'll open things up with the Iowa Wild. Marco Rossi is now leading the club in scoring. He is absolutely dominating. He is now a star in the AHL, officially, with 14 points, three of them goals, and only 11 games. The saucer passes, just looks absolutely apart. Can't wait to see how he translates to the NHL. Obviously, we want to be patient, but at the same time, mm, you know, <laughs> just you know, you're chomping at the bit. I'm sure he is as well. Definitely a worthwhile uh, <laughs> prospect in the wild system, and just you just can't wait to see what he can do. Nick Sweeney, will he be a call up at some point? You never know. Twelve points in thirteen games. He's simmered down a little bit. Mason Shaw has been consistent all season. Again, only 22 years of age for Mason Shaw. The three ACLs he's had over his career, but at least he's been staying healthy. Joe Hicketts has been a nice little find from Kamloops. <laughs> Kamloops, just like a couple of our prospects we're going to talk about very soon in our draft. Uh, obviously, I talk about Kamloops all the time. Joe Hicketts, 12 points, 5 goals. He's just been awesome. We got him from the Detroit system. Only five foot eight. Maybe he's the next Jared Spurgeon, right? Maybe he's the next Jared Spurgeon <laughs> uh, from Detroit. Just kind of popped up. Over the course of time, he's looking super good in the AHL. He was actually undrafted, but wound up in Detroit for a while. 12 career points. Pardon me, I'm looking at the wrong thing here. Five career points in 22 games in the National Hockey League. That's actually not too bad, considering he probably was only on the third pairing during the course of time. Kyle Rowe has been extremely efficient in the time he has been actually in the AHLs. He's seen a significant amount of NHL uh well, you know, roster spot anyway, mostly up in the press box. 28 years of age out of Eden Prairie, former Gopher, blah, blah, blah. We've talked about him a million times. He's been extremely good in the AHL. Probably a quad A player, though, unfortunately, in the grand scheme of things. Even though he's capable of playing in the NHL, he's not going to score too, too much at the NHL level. Connor DeWeer continues to be near a point a game and a guy who can play in all different situations. We've talked about that a hundred times. He's just a very efficient player. Adam Beckman, eight points in nine games. Connor DeWeer, eight points in nine games. Yeah, both of them. Five assists for Beckman, four assists for DeWeer. Things evened up there with those two. Uh, Kalen Addison's been picking it up after being quiet. He's been called up again, though, on the Jared Spurgeon uh, absence. But so far, it's been Jordy, uh, Jordy Ben. Don't want to get him mixed up with Jamie Ben. Jordy. Jordy Ben. Jordy, like Jordy LaForge. Sorry. Uh, Kalen Addison picked thing, was starting to pick things up after a relatively slow start in Iowa, but uh, now back in Minnesota, six assists in ten games in the AHL. He's got a couple points in the National Hockey League thus far. Damian Giroux certainly slowed down after an awesome season last year. He's dropped off a bit, unfortunately. And Matthew Matt Boldy, a couple goals in his first game with the Iowa Wild, and Next game, added a goal and assist. He has been awesome. Actually, he had three points in his first game. Two goals, one assist, and they had one assist in the next game. Has been, uh, Matt Boldy has been absolutely fantastic. He added his third goal. I'm all over the place. Four points in only two games so far for Matt Boldy. Returning from the ankle injury, nice recovery. 
Derek Barebo has been good. Andrew Hammond had a shutout. Now he's at three. He had shut out, uh, shutout recently in that uh, Matthew Boldy return. The Iowa Wild mustered only one goal the other day, though. Very quiet game, unfortunately. Um... Marco Rossi's been absolutely... Uh, again, it's it's Rossi and Boldy. Nice to see them playing together with Kyle Rao. That line has been absolutely dominant when they've been together. Sweeney and Shaw and Beckman have seen time together. Shaw's been the center. Obviously, he's got some valuable, valuable abilities out there. Cramarosa's a 28-year-old veteran. He's okay. He's he's an occasional fill-in for this and that reason. But uh, Damien Giroux's been a bit of a disappointment thus far. Slow start for him. Again, four points in only 13 games. That's a damn shame. Uh, it really is. Andrew Hammond had a meh start to the season. He's been absolutely dominant ever since. Again, three shutouts recently, dropping his goals against average 2.33. Let's continue quickly here. We look at the ECHL very, very, very briefly because I'm a, I'm a fan of Bryce Misley. He's got eight points thus far for the Iowa Heartlanders. They're off to a pretty lousy start. Hunter Jones picking it up after an awful start to the season, averaging about five and a half goals a game. Now he's got it down to just above four, so thankfully. Uh, it's won a couple games since, three and five on the season. Save percentage still 88, where Trevin Kozlowski, woofta, 86% so far. Save percentage goals against average, five. That's right, five. Yeah, I said it. Okay, I apologize. Uh, Bryce Misley's the main guy, I would say, in the uh, well, Bryce Misley and Hunter Jones are the main prospects, I would say, in the ECHL. Hockey's purgatory, as people call it. Obviously, Hovanov is a prospect as well. He's finally back now in the ECHL. He did not play in the AHL at all. He was just scratching all those games. Again, like they say, came in out of shape. Extremely frustrating. His skating has always been relatively slow, but the skill has been fantastic. 100-point guy in the queue. But so far in any form of professional hockey, he hasn't been good. He has not been good at any professional level. The KHL or the uh, ECHL or the AHL, of course, didn't pretty much do anything there, unfortunately. It's a damn shame, to be quite honest. As I was trying to pull up Hovanov's numbers on <laughs> the on the fly here on Elite Prospects because you get a little bit more uh, information in leagues. It's the VHL. That's what it was. That was the other uh, league over there in Russia. The VHL. It's very much a hockey league, I guess. Okay, sorry. 24 points in 30 games there, but again, only in seven games didn't do anything in the KHL. And two points so far in the ECHL. Nothing officially in the AHL. Oh, I really liked Alexander Hovanov. Damn it. 99 points. Basically 100. Basically two points a game for the Moncon Wildcats in the queue. But since then, ugh, it's been a bummer. Obviously, he did very well in the under-20 for Russia in the uh, the juniors and such But uh, over there. But um, damn it, the the World Junior Classics and such. We all look forward to that. He was very good in those uh, games. But since then, it has been a drop-off beyond belief. And unfortunately, he might be on his way out one way or another via trade or such. Uh, Fedor Gordiev, the big giant defenseman, also out of Russia, who is six foot six, two forty, big, big like uh <laughs> like Derek Bugard, three points thus far in fourteen games at the A at the ECHL level, unfortunately. But Bryce Measley, Misley, eight points so far, hoping the best for him. 
again, he's already doing better than he was at the U of V, University of Vermont, which is, you know, is what it is. It is what it is. I'll check him on Jack Sadick for the hell of it. Of course, he's no longer with Minnesota. He's got a couple points in the AHL. He's been promoted from the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. Kind of like that of the ECHL. Greenville Swamp Rabbits. <laughs> he was fairly efficient there. 17 points in 35 games. And uh, Ontario Reign, most recently. We'll see what happens with Jack Sadek. Unfortunately, no longer with the Minnesota Wild organization. Um, Jacob Golden, still nothing. Oh, nope, he's playing for McGill University at the moment. Good for him, so see what happens there. couple points in four games for Jacob Golden. Is he still in the Wild plans? We'll see. Left shot defenseman, obviously picked things up after, being, after getting off to a very slow start couple of years ago and then absolutely nothing last year unfortunately with the whole COVID thing OHL wouldn't even start last year which was kind of bullcrap in my opinion but that's just the way I see the world sometimes you don't need to stop the whole damn league come on you know other teams got going <clears throat> Ivan Lodnia has been released Ivan Lodnia is no longer part of the Minnesota Wild organization he is now with the Chicago Wolves of the American Hockey League nothing going yet so we'll see what happens. Evan Lodnett, no longer with the Minnesota Wild organization. It's all over. It's over, Johnny. <clears throat> so the top prospect out of uh, the 2017 entry draft is either Mason Shaw or Nick Stoney. Flip a coin. It's one of those two. Mason Shaw is extremely efficient for what he does. But he can't, but he's, he's well. I won't say he can't stay healthy, but knock on wood. He, you know, hopefully he can now. We'll see. Medicine Hat Tigers, obviously, at the time now, doing great in the AHL. Nick Sweeney also doing great in the AHL. Svetlakov is slow and plodding, but uh, a friend of Kirill Kaprizov, a bit older. And um, Misley, Misley is what he is. Golden is what he is. Lodney is gone. But at least most of them are still in the, uh, the grapevine, as they call it. We will... Uh, should I go to Europe first or to college first? Let's go to college first. Sam Hentjez, senior year already in St. Cloud State, seventh round pick during the <clears throat> Paul Fenton era. Hard to believe. Has it been that long already? That is weird, man. Paul Fenton's first draft, and now this guy's already a senior in college. I guess so. It was like two drafts for Paul Fenton, two for Garen. Yeah, I guess that's senior year in college. Five points, five games, Sam Hentjez. Has missed time, unfortunately, but efficient thus far in its senior year for the National Runners-Up, defending National Runners-Up. Before I get too confused here, let's get to Jack McBain. ASAP, he is continuing to dominate for Boston College. Only two points away from a career high. Officially in his junior year last year, he was better numbers-wise, but obviously much shorter season, 10 less games. In only 14 games, 19 points, Jack McBain has been on the top line for Boston College, and he's been showing the, he's been the part in every way. Offensively, defensively, physicality, six foot four. Definitely bottom six. He would translate to the National Hockey League. I think he'll be very successful in the AHL, and we'll see what happens after that. But to Jack McBain has been absolutely wonderful. Uh, those are the only two college players in that draft. Otherwise, we'll come back. We'll swing back for uh, the Johansson, not brothers, if you know what I mean. Lucky Lindy. No, I don't know. He's not with us anymore. He's with Pittsburgh. His goals against average is about 2.7 so far for the uh, for Bill Guerin's former uh, AHL club. We'll leave that alone. I don't want to go back into that conversation. 11 points for Nikita Nestorenko. Uh, he's not really, yeah. He's got a, he's got a, definitely got a Russian name, but he's from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, 11 points in 14 games. He's been playing on the wing. So far, not been playing center. He was center in the Chilliwack Chiefs. Was very good for them in the BCHL. 
when I back when I was able to cover that because there was a prospect there. Now there isn't. But in time, there will be again in the queue in the BCHL, and I'll get to cover those again with MNW prospects. Boston College, 11 points and so far for him. Good for him. Boston College will stay right where we are. Marshall Warren, obviously a physical, uh, he not physical, but high IQ player who's got some offensive ability. He can be physical when he wants to be, obviously. Smaller guy, though, from Laurel Hollow, New York. Left shot defenseman, only 5'11", not that little. Uh, seven points in 13 games thus far. Three of them goals. Definitely he's got offensive ability. He's got a shot on him. But again, he's a couple years away from the National Hockey League. Gilskov, he's actually in the KHL, but I'll jump ahead to it. I might as well. Uh, not very, not a whole lot going on with him. I don't know what to say at this point. Only five points so far in the KHL, but it is a jump for a 20-year-old, so maybe I shouldn't get too uh, <clears throat> down on him just yet, but Guskov will see it off to a slow start so far in his professional career. First off, he's missed time off and on, but he stayed healthy generally this year. Last year, he missed a significant amount of time. Pretty much been near a point a game throughout his collegiate career for the U of Connecticut. Already a junior, five goals in 11 games, eight total points for Vladislav Firstov. Still only 20 years of age, so that's the good news when you look at that. So, I've been kind of all over the place with the juniors and such. Yeah, i got to go to the juniors as well. I think that's it for college. Yes. Now we'll jump into juniors and then into Europe. We'll wrap things up with Europe. Juniors, obviously that'd be the much younger guys way up there. Most recently, Pavel Novak, man, he's been been absolutely great. <laughs> Smoke Z loves him, and I, I like him too. He's been extremely efficient thus far in the uh, for the uh, Kelowna Rockets of the WHL. 21 points, nine of them goals. Super duper, super duper solid. Pavel Novak might be a nice find there in the fifth round. <clears throat> Damon Hunt. Yeah, Spokes, he absolutely loves this guy. He's absolutely almost just about guaranteeing he's an NHL player. A little bit of everything. He's got leadership capabilities. He's got a great shot. He's extremely high IQ. He just got banged up uh, years ago, but now he's just been he's been wonderful. He played six games in the AHL last year and got a goal. He's got a strong shot. Again, very, very high IQ. <clears throat> and he's almost a point a game for the Moose Jaw Warriors. 12 points in 15 games, 6 goals, 6 assists. Damon Hunt will see NHL action someday, and I'm looking forward to it. Is he 20 years old yet? He's not even 20 years old until May 15th. Damn, Damon Hunt's got a long, long, uh, yep, he's, he's, he's got a long future ahead of him. And, I, and it's like this draft gets misconstrued by myself. I keep thinking Damon Hunt, yeah, he's some late pick. No, he's not. He was a 65th pick in the draft. So Damon Hunt is well thought of. And we'll see how things go. Ryan Aurora also very well thought of. He is just about a point a game. Absolute leader, physical force, does a bit of everything. He will absolutely be in the NHL, and he will log major minutes. Might get an A or a C on his chest one day at the AHL level, uh, if not the NHL level. Uh, he'll definitely be successful in the AHL. Uh, there's no question about that. But NHL, I mean, yeah, Ryan Aurora absolutely has NHL in his future. Sets players up nicely. Does a bit of everything. You're starting to see some offensive capabilities from him more so than maybe early on in his career with the Sioux Greyhounds. He'll be turning pro very soon and can't can't wait for that. <clears throat> clearing my throat a little too much here. Okay, eventually we'll wrap things up with Europe. Carson Lambos continues to be spectacular WHL, only 18 years of age, 13 assists. Again, more and more leadership capability. Just seems to be another character guy. And an absolute find for this team. 26 overall in the first round. Again, makes me, making me look crazy 
wanting Benelli so bad when this guy was available. Again, had a weird situation last year, but has recovered very, very nicely from it. A plus 21 on the year for the Winnipeg Ice. I still say that's the most unique name in NHL or in hockey history or sports history. It's very unique. Winnipeg Ice, just like the basketball hard, basketball wood floors or something. You know, the NBA, like the uh, Indiana wood floors. It's great. Uh, I forgot one college player, Jack Pert. I apologize. De definitely a capable power play guy. Again, six points thus far for St. Cloud State. Two goals, four assists, showing significant promise there. Missed a couple games, but still looking strong in a big way. Canadian Bank, Caden uh, Bankier, Kamloops, Kamloops Blazers. Absolutely love that logo and name. Absolutely love it. Uh, Bankier, love what he brings. 17 points thus far in 17 games. He's a point-of-game center thus far. And... It, We'll see how he continues to translate as things move forward. Absolutely, everybody loves his possibilities. 86th overall pick in the draft, of course. Kyle Masters, more of a physical stay-at-home defenseman. He's only got one goal in the last two years, but at least he's he's getting some 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 assists here and there. And he's a plus 12 this year versus a minus five last season for the Red Deer Rebels of the WHL, the Western Hockey League. Six points so far in 22 games. Josh Pilar, probably my favorite prospect in this group other than, you know, Carson Lamb. But, well, you know, this is a, it's a good draft class in 2021. 20, uh, it looks really good. 25 points, dominating. He's got to come, he's got to move to the next level. He was more than a point a game last year, and now he's beyond that, well beyond that this year. 25 points in only 17 games, 9 goals already, 16 assists, does a bit of everything. He's a plus 13 on the season. Josh Pilar, how do you not love him? And Nate Benoit finally got a point last week. Congratulations. So far, one assist in 15 games, but he is a plus three for the Tri-City Storm of the U.S. Hockey League out of Bow, New Hampshire. Bow, New Hampshire. Congratulations, Nate Benoit, getting your first point <laughs> thus far. Kuznadina, pardon me, 11 points in 29 games. Certainly a slowdown in the scoring factor, but provides a bit of everything in leadership. 200-foot player, everybody loves him. He's, the, he's an unbelievable skater. Sounds like a super West Walls, according to a lot of people. Obviously with the speed, the leadership, the defense. Again, sounds like a super version of West Walls. And I'll continue to say, people that talk about, uh, you traded Cunning away for, uh, traded Cunning away for, Nick Benino, but I, I mean, it's like funny though. I mean, uh, you, you traded Cunning away for this guy, not for Nick Benino. Nick Benino was the uh, the Band-Aid and all that, and people always talk about that. Uh, yeah, but again, who's Nick Benino was the real reason why Luke Cunning was traded away. And again, another guy who can play center, another guy who can lead, another guy who's good at defense, another guy with a high IQ. I could blah, blah, blah forever about that. <clears throat> and I'm not going to do a I'm not going to do a 90-minute show just on prospects, even though it would be fun to do. Uh, this is a general wild show with prospects included. Again, really very, very enjoy covering the prospects. That's why I do, <clears throat> despite the fact other people do out there as well. The Johansson brothers were heading out to Europe. I think I covered the juniors. Philip Johansson, Philip Johansson, still at seven points in 19 games. But talk again, would I, would, would, is he somebody that would you would keep or move on from? Would you want to give him a chance here? I'd want to give him a chance. I think Philip Johansson does at least warrant some type of a an opportunity here with Minnesota. 
uh, slash AHL slash this or that. ECHL is like for five minutes and then he graduated the AHL, I think, very quickly. I do think Philip Johansson does have pro hockey in his future. Will it be NHL hockey? Maybe. Maybe. And I don't think it would kill him to play on the third pairing, especially with a certain guy named Ryan Suter no longer on the team. No more locker room lawyer bullcrap or Philip Johansson would only get eight minutes if he was a third pairing. Imagine Philip Johansson with 16 minutes. Or again, a guy named Kalen Addison with 16 minutes. You know, third pairing isn't death of defensemen anymore. Where in the past it was. You're going to die. You know, you're, you're never going to get any action. You're going to get, you know, you're going to be <clears throat> buried in the lineup. You'll never get anywhere because selfish ass Ryan Suter is going to hog all the minutes. You know, guys like that. It, it's bull crap. And thank God. Thank God that that nonsense is no longer uh, dictating the locker room the way he was. Great player. He was missed when he wasn't on the ice. He is missed still to this day. His his He was definitely a factor on the ice, his presence. But his presence in the locker room is not missed. Guaranteed. I guarantee you 1 million percent. Not missed. Simon Johansson, again, not a whole lot going on. He's actually picked it up, actually, the last couple of weeks. Or excuse me. Got a couple points the last week, or two weeks, pardon me. Now he's at six points in 22 games. And it looks like he's going to be in the Swedish Hockey League now for Desjardins IF. Uh, he's been there before. He's been kind of moving around from Ives Temper. I'm probably mispronouncing all of this, but uh, we'll see what happens. Both of those Johansons are right shot D. Uh, Philip Johansson for Lunda, hockey club of the Swedish Hockey League. So, Philip, we'll see what happens if he continues to, uh, to develop. I'm, I don't think they're going to completely give up on him. I just don't think he's at the top of the freaking, you know, I don't think he's at the top of anything either. Uh, final guy, Jesper Wallstedt, obviously the top goaltender prospect, no question about it. 1.88 goals against average thus far for Lulia Hockey, hockey something in the Swedish Hockey League. Hockey F. <laughs> Lulia. <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> Apologize, I'm just being strange here. In the Swedish Hockey League, obviously got tons of potential. Goals against average, like I just said, 188. 8-6, obviously not high scoring over there. Point, not one, uh, 9.17 for to say percentage, 19 years of age, Jesper Wallstedt, absolutely the goalie of the future for Minnesota, and that's a good thing. And Hunter Jones continuing to eh, be up and down, but obviously he's a very slow starter from what we can gather, and watch him continue to improve in the ECHL and come to the AHL next year. Played in the AHL pretty much all last season and kind of hung in there pretty nicely. <clears throat> Alex Tuck, just for the heck of it, a side note, has still not been able to suit up for the Buffalo Sabres. Still been injured, unfortunately. But uh, we'll see what happens. So the Alex Tuck equation for the Vegas Golden Knights is no more <clears throat> for all of us that were frustrated about that. Apologize for clearing my throat so damn much. So with that, that should wrap up the prospect segment. And now we'll come back for some interesting, dramatic fan interaction right after this. We 
are back here on Brave the Wild. Once again, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Really appreciate you listening to the show. Please tell your friends about it if you could. Going to recommend the Vigit application. Vigit, V-I-G-I-T. Two separate words, of course, for Android and Apple devices. It is fantasy betting, basically. Social media for sports bettors. You can post about your picks, see what others are saying about games. Vigit Betting League is a month-long betting competition to see who the best sports better is over the course of a month. Free-to-play sports book, bet free coins, win real prizes. Betting stats. There's great information available on the Vigit Like Line movement where the public is betting. This is not real money wagering. It is basically fantasy betting in a lot of ways where you can compete against other people and win real prizes as well through and like national competitions and such kind of like those uh, you know those those picks like nbc and such where you can win money it's stuff like that so highly highly recommended if you do join it please put in the referral bar paladino live it's one word paladino live also i'd like to recommend that you jump on to crypto.com and start trading cryptocurrencies that's a lot of fun. It's lucrative. I've made thousands of dollars, and I'm not kidding. I'm not making that up. I have made thousands of dollars trading cryptocurrency, and you can as well. Crypto.com. Highly recommended. I will put a referral link in the show description. Please use that if you join, and you'll get $25, and it will help the show greatly. We each actually would get $25 if you do join that. Highly recommended. And uh, if, you, if you want any tips or like which uh, cryptocurrencies to look at, private message me or tweet me. Let's go from there. At Brave the Wild, at Brave the Wild. Derek Felska of Crease and Assist. Great writer. Him and his wife write for the Minnesota Wild. Usually he writes the reviews, and his wife, Teresa, writes previews for games, but occasionally, to switch around a bit, uh, Derek often writes stories as well about happenings with the Minnesota Wild, particularly in the offseason with certain stories. During the season, he generally writes about games, game reviews, at least once a week. Always appreciate what he does there for the the uh the sports daily it's at crease and assist you'll find him right away and yeah <laughs> yeah we'll get to some of the silliness that went on this week for some reason Derek puts out have a question have a minnesota wild question on your mind ask brave the wild just tag your questions hashtag btwmn and why and ask away and yes that's what you do and it gets people going hashtag btwmn always appreciate that very much so Derek leads things off saying, with the Minnesota Wild taking number 22 to arbitration and giving him a one-year deal, then insisting he has to have a big year, is there any chance they sign him long-term or are they just putting him through hell before they trade him later this year? I really thought they were going to be able to sign him long-term. I really did, especially when you consider his $5 is coming off the books and then you just maybe give him a two-year, two year 2 Two million raise, I know, only two million, right? <laughs> but in the NHL, two million is not the end of the world. You could give them, you know, five years, seven million per. That's what I was thinking was probably going to be where we're heading towards, or seven, seven, you know what I mean? But now it looks like they're putting him through hell before they trade him later this year. It sure does, doesn't it? That's kind of been the story of late. Uh, it looks like him and Dean have kind of a hot and cold relationship, you know, love-hate relationship. It kind of, it's been a back and forth thing going back to their days in uh, Milwaukee with the Admirals. When they get along, it's great, but Fiala will have some weird turnovers and such, and next thing you know, he's benched for a very, very long extended period, and uh, it's it's unfortunate because I'm a huge Fiala fan, and I'm sure a lot of you listening are as well. I gotta, whoa, what am I doing? I gotta crappy feeling, for lack of a better term, that he's not going to be here next season, and that sucks. 
that sucks. Uh, continued, Derek is asked another one, says, who is the next NHL coach that will be fired, or who are three coaches you think are on the hot seat right now? Hmm. Uh... <laughs> Uh, hmm. It shouldn't be the Arizona coach uh, Cooney because he just kind of he just kind of got there. But I get but still, I mean, four and fourteen. So I don't know. Obviously, it's not going to be Seattle. Maybe Dallas. Uh, Rick Bonus might be a possibility. Possibility eight and seven. They're not off to the greatest start. Things are kind of funny. It sure as heck isn't going to be. Uh, sure as heck isn't going to be. Daryl Sutter. Sure as heck isn't going to be him. Look at the Calgary Flames. I'm really enjoying that, actually. Rod Brindamore, he's done. No, it's not going to be Rod Brindamore. Uh, maybe in Montreal, because they're always changing everybody. Dominic Descharm. Lindy Ruff, New Jersey. He's definitely not not on his way out. He's well-respected. and They're doing okay. New Jersey's actually pretty respectable. John Cooper's the least likely. he got two Stanley Cups in a row, but who knows? <laughs> Paul Maurice is well-respected. Gerald Gallant, he just got there for Pete's sake. Barry Strauss is looked on as a legend. Um, Todd McClellan's all over the place. I'm not a huge McClellan fan. I, I really like Dave Tippett. He's doing freaking awesome, isn't he? Uh, and so is Edmonton Oilers, generally speaking. I think Rick Bonus might be in trouble, possibly. Uh, man, it's just you just look at the list and how short people's careers are. Mike Sullivan's got multiple cups. He should be fine and all that. Paul Maurice is well-respected. John Cooper's actually the longest-tenured guy, and he could have gotten in trouble a couple of years back if they would have been upset. In the set. If they got upset again, he probably would have been gone and now got multiple cups. Um, I think I'm leaning towards Dallas because things just aren't going so great there. Bruce Cassidy, i got to think he's pretty safe. He's been, he's been damn good. Uh... Kind of like what Granado's doing in Buffalo thus far. Thus far, Don Granado um, is Peter DeBoer. Is he in trouble in Vegas? Probably not, but you just never know. You just never know. Um, Vegas is all over the place, and they've had some good times and some bad times. This and that. I would go with the Dallas coach right now with Rick Bonus. That's just my guess. It's, you know, it's really not Dave Tippett, you know, guys like that. McClellan, maybe McClellan in Los Angeles. I'm not a big McClellan guy. Tippett, it's like you could kind of compare. It's funny how McClellan was Edmonton's coach and then Tippett replaced him. I've always liked Tippett much more. I like the more defensive-minded coaches. I think they, than the wide-open ones, you know, I mean, the, the wide-open coaches aren't so good. I think Andrew Burnett's going to get an extension. He's been awesome, Andrew Burnett, thus far. But then again, it's an awesome team. It was well put together. DJ Smith in Ottawa, he's a possibility just because they're just not good, you know. But is it always the coach's fault? Not really. But they take the fall. I think Montreal, Ottawa, and Dallas are the three most likely teams to move on from their coaches soon. And then McClellan's the next guy. Possibly. Maybe Montreal. I mean, 5-14, and 14, it's pretty bad. So it, it's a big mess. Ah, oh, long story longer. I could go on all day, this and that. I mean, my... It's crazy, though. I mean, he took them to the cup finals just recently. So it's hard to say. It's too up and down. Uh, and they weren't as good as the, as a cup final type of team, but they got there with a miracle. And then now they're like one of the worst teams in the league just as quickly. So maybe he's okay. I'll go with... Yeah, I'll stick with where I was. Dallas, Rick Bonus. Maybe they figure they can do a heck of a lot more in the not-too-distant future. I'll stop babbling now. 
Thank you for the cool question, though. I apologize if I was a little bit bouncy on that one. That one kind of threw me for a loop a little bit. <clears throat> Derek, here's the question that got this crazy guy going crazy and calling both of us uh, looking looking blind to stats or something. What the hell? Derek Felsica says, Another podcast insisted that Kirill Caprisa, that he's just a playmaker. Do you agree, but do you think the team would be okay with him having just 20 goals and 65 points? Or does he have to be at or near thir- uh, a 30-goal scorer to make the contract worth it? I think he should be in the 30 goals. And I know it, it's like, okay, we're blind to stats. Fine, we're blind to... No, it's not about that. It's, uh, we're blind to productivity. We're blind to the eye test. We're blind to everything. Okay, we're not blind at all. It's a lot of bullcrap to call us that, uh, this person. Um, so, obviously, both me and Derek behind the scenes, not happy campers about that. But, I mean, I'm... Yeah, I mean, I shouldn't say too much about it in terms of like making it a big drama show here it's just stupid to question our credibility when all we are is analyzing the situation that's all we're doing so it is kind of silly 30 30 goal score i think you know and it's just a discussion for pete's sake that's all it is it's not like um 29 goals or 30 goals or 31 now now it's worth it if he gets to 31 that's not what we're doing we're not that stupid uh 65 points isn't enough for what what we need, obviously. And, and his defense hasn't been the same. Let, let's be honest. Has Kirill Kaprizov's defense and overall work, body of work thus far, been the same as it was last season? I don't think it has. Brian Herrera says, I uh, misquote my question last time. I meant, what game would you not pick? Uh, would you pick not him? But a new question with Fiala in Dean's doghouse and having his power play time taken away do you think gm bill glaren will trade him this season and what would you want and who would you want for him unfortunately i do think so unfortunately i do think he's gonna get i think he's gonna get traded uh things can change back and forth and they often do i do think he's gonna get traded it sounds like jt miller is a possible move from vancouver is that something that would excite people I would love to get like a like a uh, Patterson. I would love that, but I, I don't think that's really possible to be quite honest. But it, it kind of reeks of like Vancouver is one of the possibilities as you go forward. Um, and thus far, yeah, right now J.T. Miller's stock is high because he's the leading scorer right now for Vancouver. It doesn't guarantee anything. Patterson is a guy I would love to have, though. He's not doing super well this year. He's only got 10, 10 points so far in 20 games, and yep, I'm blind to stats again. Brock Besser sounds like, yeah, that's not where we want to go. You want to look more for a center versus a, uh, a winger. Elias Pedersen, somebody I really would love to have in Minnesota. I can't believe I just called him Patterson, but I'm getting everybody mixed up with, you know, Patterson on the Vikings. Let's just stop. <laughs> oh, yeah. Patterson, Peterson, Pedersen. Oh my God, it's driving me nuts. Obviously, we know who, we're t- who I'm talking about. Bo Horvat. Yeah, I'd rather have Pedersen any day. Quinn Hughes isn't going anywhere. He's the best player on Vancouver. JT Miller, it sounds like that's the one that people have been talking about, the Russos and such. Unfortunately, he's a bit older. He's just about 30. Unfortunately, he's not that old, though. Uh, he's a year younger than Charlie Coyle. And he's actually only three years older than Mr. Fiala, that might be where we're heading, some something in that direction. Miller's obviously had some success with the Rangers. He doesn't stand out that much, but he did have 72 points two years ago with Vancouver, and that was in a shortened season. So he's been very good in Vancouver. Maybe Vancouver sells high and gets Kevin Fiala. 
who knows? Uh, Pedersen, or I just said it again, uh, J.T. Miller would fit in very nicely, I think, with Minnesota. Pedersen, they'll probably want too much, but maybe. Maybe you can kind of start with Pedersen, see what else maybe you'd want to throw in if you want to get Pedersen. If Vancouver would be willing to make that move. And then uh, if you need to settle on J.T. Miller, possibly, because uh, Vancouver has inquired about uh, Fiala, as has the Carolina Panthers, apparently. Carolina Panthers, Carolina Hurricanes, apparently. So who would you want from there? Sebastian Aho. Yep, yep, yep. That would be nice. No, <laughs> I don't know what's realistic, honestly. Uh, Sebastian Aho would be freaking awesome, but that ain't happening. That ain't happening. He's a bona fide star. Uh, Svechnikov, that would be freaking cool. But yeah, it's another winger. Obviously, very good player. Super high end. Everybody respects him. Number two overall pick in 2000. 18. Mm, D'Angelo, if you want a defenseman, a really high-scoring defenseman, I don't think we'd be able to... I think he's a little bit too high as well. Vincent Trocek is a name that's been out there in the past. He's the same age as J.T. Miller, a little smaller guy. Uh, that, that's a possibility, Vincent Trocek. He's a he's similar to J.T. Miller. He's at a 70-point season. There I go, looking at stats. Again, former Florida Panther, of course. Um, Panther and Hurricane and Carolina Panthers and Carolina Hurricanes and blah bitty blah. I don't think we'll be trading for Jordan Stahl unless he's some kind of throw in, right? Taravinen would be sweet as heck, but again, that's another winger, but a very talented one. Maybe if you want to go winger for winger, but that's probably what you're looking at. A Trochek or JT Miller is probably where we're heading. Is it super exciting? Not necessarily, but it'll help. No longer and long story longer. I'll continue. Derek Felska says after he converted in two breakaways on two breakaways, were you surprised that Dean Everson didn't give Red Pitlick one of the top three spots in the shootout? What is your ideal top three shootout players only? Uh, Minnesota Wild players only. Kevin Fiala, absolutely. He's just been flipping, blinking, bleepity bleep, beautiful in the shootout. He he is so good. Kaprizov as well. And I know you think, okay, whatever, Kaprizov and. Uh, and Fiala, that's real creative, Joey. But it is creative because because they absolutely dominated when in the times they were out there. I I, I think Pitlick should should get a look in that as well. I think that's a good choice. Uh, Fiala and Kaprizov are easy choices. Like the move Fiala made, it just he just makes it look so freaking easy. The way he just handles the puck and then just releases it the way he does, and it's just boom right in there. Beautiful. Um, trying to think of who else might be a good one. Dumba obviously is a possibility, depending on your you know, your thought process. I'm trying to think though, I I think I would put Pidlick out there. Like why the hell not? I mean, go, instead of like a Golagoski who's got the ability, but I'd rather go with like a Pidlick or Zuc Zuccarillo. No, he's not a shooter. He's not a shooter. Not Zuccarillo. So I will go with Pidlick or maybe even Ryan Hartman. But I'm gonna say Pidlick for now. And then we'll see what happens. But I think with those three, I, I think yeah, I think that's a that's a great group. Like uh, Derek asked again, why can't Kaprizov? Why can't the Kaprizov homers admit number ninety-seven played uninspired hockey the first ten games of the season? That's a good question. Why can't they? You know, because because they're crazy. Black Space uh, says maybe the bar is Black Space. This is uh, Sebastian Barton out of Mankato says, maybe the bar is just so high. Not saying it shouldn't be, but lots of players start slow, and yes, I'm very biased. My kid's name is Kirill. Uh, I can't really... That, that's fair enough. Fair point. I can't really get mad at that at the end of the day. Music Geek 
replies to us saying, how many goals do you think Kaprizov will have by the time we go to the Olympic break? And a bonus one, which Minnesota Wild players will make the All-Star rosters this season? How many goals do you think Kaprizov will have by the Olympic break? So that's like February. 11? I think he's going to pick it up and he'll be about 11, which again, you know, is that exciting? No, but yep, I'll go with the number 11. That's just floating in my head right now. He'll probably have more assists than goals at that point still, maybe 30 points by that stage. I want to see more Fiala and Kaprizov together, to be quite fair. Uh, which, mild, wild, which wild players will make the All-Star roster this season? I do think Kaprizov makes it. And I also believe that Pitlick makes it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, Hart, Hartman might be a, a dark horse for that. That would be funny, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be funny if Hartman made it? It sounds crazy and, and uh, unrealistic, but I guess you never know. Uh, I think it's Kaprizov for sure. Probably not Talbot, but you never know. Probably not. Probably not. I mean, the goaltending has not been a strong point for Minnesota this year. Kaprizov is going to make it. He's a bit, you know, the name, the numbers, and blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, everybody wants to see him out there. I, I think he makes it whether, you know, some people might say that he deserves it or not. I think it's just one guy, actually. Maybe Fiala, if he really, really steps up and he gets hot between now and then. Right now, just one guy, Kaprizov. Continue. I keep babbling too much. Mike, Moko V, <laughs> 65, says, bring bring the Capri, bring the KK family over to watch their son play. So will they bring him over to watch their son play? Yep, I mean, we'll see. I'll have to wait and see there. I'm not going to get too much into the argument. I think I already did. The back and forth, and the show's already about an hour and a half, which is okay. It's a, it's okay. It's almost there. Really uh, appreciating those of you. I hope you are having a wonderful Thanksgiving if you're listening on Thanksgiving or, again, as we head into the Christmas season. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas season as we head forward, and hopefully I'll be able to bring out regular content on Thursdays again. At worst, it might be two weeks for the next show, but most likely I'll be back next Thursday. I think we'll finally finish the cleanups which would be a wonderful, wonderful feeling. And yeah, if I get too deep into the back and forth, it'll get a little crazy and it'll go on forever. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if you, all of you want to hear all of that necessarily. Um, it's just some of the stuff that was said was nonsense. It's, it's sad. It's frustrating. Some of the stuff that was said towards uh, myself and Derek was a little frustrating. This and that. I really appreciate the questions and the comments. Some of you out there that, are, that have been listening, please join into that. Hashtag BTWMN. Hashtag BTWMN. Just join in the conversation. I'd love to hear from you. There's also another way to get on board. Via audio submission, what you do is you open up the free voice recording application that's on every single smart device on the planet. Open it, press record, start talking like a phone call, and then get it to about whatever you want, a minute to five minutes, whatever, anywhere from one to five minutes hit stop, and if you keep going longer than five, I'm not going to get upset as long as it's wild-related, <laughs> generally. Uh, hit stop, save it, and email it, slash share it to paladinolive at yahoo.com, paladinolive at yahoo.com. That'll be in the show description, along with shout-outs to MNW Prospects. I'll put a, uh, I'll put the Twitter account in the show description, like I always do. MNW Prospects, Pavel Bennett, Justin Bucky. Brandon Quast, really, really proud to be a part of that. Uh, and myself, I cover the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League and the BCHL when we have prospects there. Of course, it's all related to wild prospects. ECHL, AHL, Europe, 
uh, college. It's so much fun to keep up with, and we all enjoy it very, very, very much. It's a group that's just growing and growing and growing and growing on Twitter and such. Justin Bakke uh, has been in a Russo article before. My name was in the article, which was cool because I was a part of that group, and thank you guys so much. Thank you always. Really proud to be a part of that, and we'll get prospects in the queue again at some point, i got to think. We've certainly fallen in love with the WHL, haven't we? And we've had some success coming out of the WHL of late. <laughs> it's been enjoyable, to say the least. Um, we'll see if I get added duties at some point. If not, it is what it is, and I'll just keep doing the show and keep giving you Keep giving shout-outs and getting people to the group. Otherwise, uh, Minnesota Wild Global and Minnesota Wild Nation. Big shout-outs to those Facebook pages. Patrick Turner for Minnesota Wild Nation. And for Minnesota Wild Global, you have the likes of Scott Cavendish, Chance Costick, David Costick, Kathy Main, David Abraham, Michael Fick, Chad Walsey. How can I forget? Absolutely love that group love that page. I've been inactive lately, been super duper busy with the lawn cleanups and such and the other jobs. Able to keep up with the games, thank God. I need to get on the pages more often if I can, but half the time I have to catch up to the games, so I I can watch them live sometimes and I'm able to catch up to them later in other cases. It is what it is, but the schedule will lighten up a teeny bit here, hopefully, (laughs) as we move forward. Otherwise, hoping all of you again have a wonderful Thanksgiving and a great start to the Christmas season and holiday season, depending on what you celebrate. God bless each and every one of you, and we will talk to you in a couple weeks. Or a week. (laughs) Hopefully just one.